When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 331 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and yes, this is a podcast, not an old Barca Twitch stream. And no, Anton is not here this week. That's a deep cut <laughs> for you. But it is Omar Awash of Bloodgronogram, and of course, one of my former co-hosts on the Barcelona Twitch stream. How's it going today, Omar? All good. All good. It's going well. Um, it feels kind of weird to be reunited like this, but hopefully it won't be the last time. So yeah, pleasure to be on here as always. Well, for those who have listened to the podcast for a long time, watched my YouTube videos, they know full well that I'm much better at reacting to a match after the fact, that I like to take it all in almost in silence. So it was always a challenge to uh, take it all in right. with the Twitch and live time. But I, I'm enjoying, again, as the pod, as people know with the pod, I, I enjoy just taking it all in, thinking about it. And yeah, I, I wanted to ask you to come on. I, I didn't know if we need to manufacture our own positivity like we used to on the Twitch channel, or we'd actually get to praise the team for a great <laughs> performance. But after the 4-2 win over Napoli, I think it's very much the latter, of course. I think these these positive Absolutely. things that you and I are manufacturing are not coming out of thin air. <laughs> these are real things. And, and I think I'll give you an easy softball to start to get you comfortable again on the pod here. Do you think that this was the best performance of the season now after Napoli? Or, I mean, there was Valencia, we also see that. So there are other candidates, but it right. feels like the internet no, saying I, this is the best performance. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that consensus because I think for Barcelona, you know, the the reason why I would put this above the Valencia and the Real Sociedad games is because the pressure here was different. Obviously, in La Liga, we always talk about how there is pressure. You want Barca to be, in this season, top four would be a realistic expectation to have from the fans' perspective. 
But in this, for in this game specifically, it was a one-one draw at home at the Camp Nou, which in itself, for some, especially with the Dembélé jeers, uh, whenever he got the ball at first, it was a very you know delicate situation. And so you come into this game, Napoli are at home. It's what people have dubbed. I've heard some call it the Diego Maradona derby. And so you come into a game where there are very a lot of expectations because Barcelona didn't make it through in the Champions League. And then people said, oh, well, they're going to make it through the Europa League. So with the 1-1 draw and no away goals counting, that was in Barcelona's favor. But then could they make it happen here? And the answer emphatically is yes, they could. So I think there was a lot more pressure here. And I think Napoli, they have been a bit hot and cold, but they have done well domestically compared to Barca, who just recently have picked up form, especially under Xavi. And so I think the pressure on this one makes this, for me, or not even an argument. It's the best game of the season for Barca so far. Yeah, I think there is a standard where I, I keep flip-flopping where Napoli had a disaster of a night. We'll get into the tactics of why, but they maybe one of their worst games of the season, clearly. I mean, they had conceded the least amount of goals in Serie A this year, and they leaked four into Barcelona, four very different, and again, we'll talk about, break those down, but four very different goals. So Napoli found a way to leak the ball into the back of the net a number of different times. And yeah, conceding right. in a way that they normally don't with a very stout defense. Usually they're, we saw again last week in the 1-1 that their tactics a very sound team, but Barcelona completely dominated them. So as much as I, I want to say, well, you know, Napoli had a really bad match. I mean, Napoli were in a good way, with the exception of actually just prior to their match earlier in the week, they did have trouble playing out of the back. And Xavi, not to say he did his scout then because he played them last week, but he capitalized <laughs> on the mistakes that they made on Monday. And he was the one. I mean, <laughs> this is no disrespect to Kuman or even Alverde, but we do speak about Xavi and his ability as a manager to will say outmanage or out tactic the guy on the other side. And because he did this to Belletti in this instant, I think we start with a compliment to Xavi instead of trying to detract from what Napoli did. And I think Omar, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little early, but between the four January signings that were made by Alemani, so credit to him, and the way yeah, that Xavi's project looks right now, for the first time, Omar, mm -hmm. since you and I even met, it does feel like there is some <laughs> momentum. I'm not kidding. There is momentum. There, no, is, there, there is consistency. There is something, there's this belief in FC Barcelona, not us, who cares about the Kool-Aids, the, the players on the team <laughs> and the manager, right? Like there is something in that club that believes in itself again, that hasn't been there in a long time. I, I say that a long time. And I think you're right that it is the best performance of the year because it coalesced in a big European night. It's Europa League, so you can roll your eyes. You're still waiting on that big away Champions League win, of course, but to win a big away fixture in Europe where there was a bit of pressure to show up, then right. it, it means that Xavi's creating momentum, creating belief. And somehow that's even more important than the tactics. But, you know, I really want to talk about the tactics. But, yeah, I think that might even be more, <laughs> right. more important than the tactics. Yeah, no, and, and it's a thing that I've noticed as well. And I was rewatching. I actually sat there, rewatched the last four games today because uh, I, I, I wanted to kind of see the transition again. I wanted to mm. see what happened from game to game. And it became very clear to me that Xavi's... And, and they, this is the thing. I don't want people to think that I'm saying Xavi is the same as Mauricio Pochettino because Pochettino has had his downs in Paris. What I'm saying is Pochettino, when he took over Spurs, instilled this sense of unity, this sense of belonging to every single player in the team. They had this little handshake thing going, which might seem like a very corny thing to do. But for a team, that having that sort of spirit means a lot because then if they get along off the pitch, they're going to get along on the pitch, and it makes everything a bit easier. For Barcelona, you can very clearly see that that has happened. They, the players seem to care more, you know, not to say they didn't care, but they just see, there seems to be a sense of unity. 
even with the celebration that PK did with Araujo for the third goal, that I know it's a small thing. I know I'm I'm really clutching a straws here, but it matters. That kind of stuff matters. Seeing that there is that sense of unity, you know, you, you always hear people talk about, oh, well, this defender isn't happy. This defender is this player is out is on his way out. But then you see stuff like that, and and it really makes you think. You know, I saw Adama, and I was watching the game, and I couldn't stop laughing last night because it it really surprised me, and I'm I'm still taken aback by how well I think he's done given the very low bar that people had set for him. I think it was in the 85th-ish minute where he sprints all the way back to defense, gives the ball to Ter Stegen, and then runs all the way back up to the other side of the pitch to help with the attack. In the 85th minute, to have that, I know he's a tank. He's an absolute unit. But the fact that he has that drive and has that energy and dedication, not just to Barcelona, but to his teammates, being willing to help out defensively, even though that may not be his strength, I think that, for me, shows that there is the sense of unity that Xavi has instilled into the team, and you really can't put a price tag on that. For me, I think what I, you know, if you if you think about it, like you said, tactics of course matter. Tactics win you games, but if you have tactics with a team that's not performing as a unit, it, it doesn't matter. That'll fall out eventually. So for me, I think Xavi has done an excellent job of managing the team as a coach and also as a manager, and I think that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, to that point about body language, I think Dembele and his reactions to the team since, we'll say, all this went down is pretty evidence of that, that he is more in that team with those teammates and with that manager than he is at the club or Mm -hmm. as a a player in front of the fan base, which is, again, something to note, that Xavi has created this sense of unity. I think that's true through Dembele. Speaking of tactics, I do want to talk about tactics, and I'm going to, let's actually move backwards. I think we can break down the goals as we go along and jump around in the game instead of just making it chronological order, because as much as I'd love to start with Adama and uh, Yang, I want to start there. I want to start, I would love to start with PK and Alba and the old guard and Busquets proving everybody wrong, (laughs) sure, but I think we have to talk about De Jong, because yesterday was emblematic of when PK and Alba and Busquets play well. Yes, you get a certain level. Pedri is always going to... I mean, now I'm expecting him every game to give me a certain level. Right, he's so great. I know we do that every week. I have nothing new to add. Pedri is still great from that. He, he, was, he was great when I had the podcast earlier in the week. He's still great. Nothing gets changed on Pedri. I'm not rolling my eyes at that. But and then we'll, we'll talk about even Dest and some of the things there and, and Ferran Torres, whatever. But I think De Jong shows you when he has a great game, and everybody else around him is also playing well and doing their jobs, De Jong certainly has the ability to be one of those players that takes Barcelona from a good team to a great team. Like, he is the he is one of those Absolutely. important players that... And that's why people say to sell him, or people were considering selling him, because he's so it's so necessary that he is influential that when he isn't influential, you question his very presence in the team at all. And yesterday... Right. All of those were thrown out the window, all those ideas, because he made complete sense. And it wasn't just on the second goal, right? The second goal came as a byproduct of what he was doing when Napoli had the ball, his press, the way he was picking up space, the way he was looking for space. And looking at his heat map yesterday, it wasn't some cookie cutter, you know, try to pick the ball up on the left side because Barcelona are strong siding as they've been doing the last few matches. I think that was the way that Xavi right. got them comfortable. Like, put as many buys as you can on the left, try to switch the ball over to Adama and, and, and Dest in that case, or, or Alves when mm-hmm. he was inverting in the middle. Try to switch it over to the right side. But make sure that Dest, uh, make sure rather that De Jong is picking the ball up near the touchline. Alba is overlapping and De Jong is going to be dribbling into that space. You hope he doesn't lose the ball. If he does, you're setting up Busquets in a rest defense where he's prepared to do that. Same thing with Pedri. Pedri's prepared to to track back and help out in case he does lose the ball. 
But because Barca were playing so high and so direct and putting so much pressure on that back line, Napoli were leaving huge swaths of space in between their midfield and their defense, and De Jong was consistently picking up the ball and dribbling into that space. And so on that second goal, it's a long ball from Ter Stegen, which very much like a lot of his balls yesterday, were not, was not totally on target, mm. goes off the head of one of the Napoli midfielders, and then right into the path of Aaron Torres, who showed some good skill to get the ball back to the defeat of De Jong. And then De Jong did what he does best. It's dribble into space. He was gaining confidence with every yard. And yeah, it's uncharacteristic that he's going to plant a Galazzo in the, in, in the top right corner from 25, 30 yards out. Yes, of course, that's, <laughs> that, that's not going to happen every match. But you could tell that not only was he playing with confidence, but he was playing with confidence because he trusted in the system that Xavi has put forward for him to succeed in. It's not just about Excellent. Pedri and Gabi and Busquets and La Masia graduates and De Jong not being able to, to curtail to that. De Jong looked really good yesterday in a way that I think is replicable as long as his teammates continue their level at that way and Barca can continue to stay as organized as they are. And if that means that the opponent gets better, I, it's, interesting. it's going to be interesting to me to see you know, now the next big test, right? The next Sevilla, the next Real Madrid, hopefully the next Champions League next year, (laughs) you know, those teams. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol or Pique and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I think I make a great point with Frankie because that's the thing that I've been, you know, even when, when people were really adamant on, oh, Barcelona should sell him, I was always one of those defending him saying, well, he's only as good as his teammates are. And if his teammates aren't performing, given the role he has, if his role is pick up the ball, drive forward, he needs to have the players around him playing well so he can actually deliver a good pass or take a shot or whatever it may be. And because Barcelona up until this point, right, and by this point, I don't mean Napoli, I mean four or five games ago, the system was still being built. Xavi was still testing out different players, seeing who fits where. You know, especially now with the arrivals of, you know, Aubameyang, Ferran Torres, which we will talk about, like you said, it gives him, you know, options that he didn't have before. He's managed to somehow rejuvenate Luke de Jong, which for many people, he was a lost cause. And he's come out and he's now a very clinical striker and actually playing really well in the holdup play. So I think for me, it's, it's more than just about Frankie, because I think Frankie has always had the quality. I think for a while, it seemed like he kind of lost that confidence. He lost that instinct to get the ball and see that little little bit of space and drive into it because that's sort of for me what what you know characterized characterized him as a player is that that's the thing that he was very very good at that you don't see very often in midfielders because midfielders nowadays you know they're usually a certain type of build tactically speaking so you have the player that's very good at pressing then that's pretty much all he's good at but he's very good at it and then you pair him with a player that's very good at passing and that's a good pivot or that's a good, you know, type of, that's a good midfield duo. With Frankie, he's capable of doing so much, but I think for a while it seemed like he was limited, whether that was tactically from what the coaching staff had told him to do, whether that's from his teammates' runs, whether that was his confidence, which I think shot down. It, he, he did struggle. I, I don't think anyone, you know, denies that he did struggle, but I think for me yesterday was the best performance I've seen from him this season, without a doubt. Not, I mean, even, even if you take away the goal. He was everywhere. He was everywhere. He was he was vocal. You could tell by his body language he was very positive. He kept options open for all his teammates. He was very comfortable on the ball, very comfortable off it, pressing, closing down spaces with his teammates, which again, the understanding, the sense of unity. If you see a pass that goes, you know, that goes astray, if if there is a sense of unity, you're gonna chase that down, even though you might not get to it, but at least you made the effort. That's the thing that Barcelona, I think, were missing two Champions League seasons ago. That you didn't have that sense of unity. So it was just, oh, okay didn't work out it is what it is whereas now there is that sense of unity and it really does you know it really does wear off on the players it does rub off on the players and I think for Frankie that game for me last night showed exactly what he's capable of doing and the scary part is that's not even his ceiling he's he's, he hasn't hit the ceiling yet at all and I mean if if he can do that game in game out I know I remember actually when we used to do the twitch streams we used to get the question if Frankie is performing like he is, which at the time wasn't very good. And you have Gavi doing what Frankie should be doing. Do we need Frankie? And to that, I just want to say now that I can say it without people coming at me. You can see last night why Frankie fits in the team and why Gavi fits in the team. They are two different profiles. Make no mistake. 
And that's not to say that it's one or the other. It can be both. But that also depends on Xavi's tactics. And in different games, you deploy different systems. And I think Xavi yesterday got it absolutely spot on. And I think that's why Frenkie worked. I mean, for me, I saw him even somewhat play as a pivot. We say that, but it was a highlight for Barcelona. So he wasn't really playing like a Busquets would. But he still was very good. He was very good. He was very alert. He was very aware of, sur- of his surroundings. Those small flicks uh, that he did every, every now and again. His confidence was through the roof. And again, like you said, I think that's also because his teammates are playing very well. Yeah, but the I idea wanna, for Xavi, yeah, I want to push everyone. Up. Yeah, I want to add detail to why he's better tactically and why he was better yesterday to me, and why he's actually been better over the last few matches. Is we were, we criticized for a while. I mean, I, I certainly have spoken about the space between he and Busquets when right. Barcelona was struggling right. under Kuman. The space between the two was always too far, and there was also an argument that always goes against De Jong that he's not passing the ball quick enough. He's he's taking too many touches. The ball's on his feet, and that does support the idea that people obviously especially on the internet are not going to be patient enough to see something come to fruition and so for for frankie to be able to one touch passes and which again maybe not come natural to him in the way that does busquets and pedri and gabi but for him to know where his teammates are in those spaces in a new system does take time and i'm hoping Mm -hmm. that we are seeing the fruits of that labor of being patient because xavi made the field wider and particularly last night, he also made it vertically more narrow, which has been really important to Barcelona. And what happens, what we talked about, that it's one thing to have De Jong and Busquets on top of each other defensively because then they cannot defend the entire field. But if you're going to press right. so high as a, as a unit and keep a high line, then that would be Busquets was the one who was farther forward, usually in that high press, to the point where there were times when Busquets was setting up at the edge of the penalty box, the opposing penalty box. And then De Jong and Pedri, they were tasked with breaking down that space between them, the midfield, and the back line. And PK and Araujo and Des, those three in particular, because Alba was always subjected to get forward, those three in particular, their job to cut the counterattack down was to slow Osimhen and Insigne in particular down enough where De Jong and Pedri were able to make up that ground. And they did right. pretty much every single time. The one and only mm-hmm. goal. I mean, I, I don't really, again, I don't really count the late goal because there were substitutes. Both teams had already kind of finished off. And I think Barso actually pretty fortunate right. that Palitano, who is one of Napoli's best players, was was not fit for either of these two matches. I just want to throw that out there. Not an excuse for oh, Napoli, also, just, yeah, just right. throwing it out there. But So I, I do disparage that second goal. I, I mean, the, by Napoli, I don't want to care much about it. But the first one was a mistake by Ter Stegen, which we did the Ter Stegen thing early, early in the week. I don't want to redo that. He needs to find confidence. He needs to get his head straight, whatever. So that, that goal happened. But by and large, PK, who had a... I'll let you do PK next, but PK had a sensational game. I mean, arguably the man of the match. And... I mean, he also had the goal, but his job, as I said, with Araujo would just to not necessarily even have to step out or to take the chance to make the lunge. Their job was to slow down the opposition as much as possible so that that ground can be made up. But because those lines, from the forward line to the midfield line to the back line, because they were so vertically together and it was so narrow in that space, the space that Frankie had to make up was so much shorter. So every time that Frankie got the ball when Barca had possession, he could be positive with it and he could go and combine with teammates very quickly. And if there was space that Napoli left between their backline and their midfield, he could dribble into that space. So just like I said with Des earlier in the week against Valencia, decisions were made for him and he has the skill set and the talent to lean into the tactics that have been set out and the opportunities that both the opposition is giving him and the way that the team is set up. 
And that is why I'm so positive about what we saw from Frank and Young. And that's what I think is replicable moving forward. Now, PK, as I said, I, there was that wrinkle about what, what he was being asked to do defensively. <clears throat> but that, to, your, to what I'm going to give you, is just a mano a mano. PK showed up again against oh, Olsenman. Yeah. And he took Osaman, won a 70 million euro transfer. If, if, if Osaman was playing for Barca, I said this a few times. If Diego Demay was in Barca's midfield, Kules would have lost their ever living mind last night because he did a terrible job man marking Busquets, who's about as quick as a, oh, yeah. a stone fountain. And yet Demay couldn't seem to track him at all on the field. So Napoli fans had a right to go insane, and he was taken off at halftime, reasonably taken off at halftime. And on the other, and up top for Osaman, if. If one of those Barcelona forwards, being Ferran Torres, Aubameyang, or Adama Traore, had gone missing the way that Osaman did yesterday, yeah, he got the penalty, but, I mean, it was a lot of work that he had to put in to do very little yesterday. And then Insigne as well looked like right. he was already in, in MLS. He looked like he was already in Toronto yesterday. And that's also credit to the fact that Dest, I mean, yeah, that Dest pretty much shut him down defensively. And I want to reiterate the fact that when Dest plays next to Araujo along that back line, that's the best parts of Dest you see. Is when you throw some other wrinkle in there, we have PK as the right center back, or you have Eric Garcia as the right center back. And whether it's, I think it's when they put Araujo on the left. But when Araujo is the right center back, right. you get the best out of Dest. So yeah, I mean, let's let's transition to the back line. What, what were your thoughts last night? Other than yeah, praising PK, I think that's where we start. But Right, yeah, praising PK. I mean, I was... I couldn't help but feel proud of PK last night because I know a lot of people have been on his back for a while saying that, oh, he's too old. Oh, he can't keep up. But like you said, the tactics were set up in a way that the shortcomings of PK defensively did not come to light because his task was not to lunge in and commit because he's not he, that's not what he's good at. His strength is to constantly contain, contain, contain until you either get the lunge or someone else gets the lunge because that's the way he plays. And that's why he's been on, you know, with Barcelona for so many years. I think. PK for me is he's he's really improved. Like you can tell he's improved and it's not it's not just to say that he's gotten older and gotten more experienced, but it's more that his general awareness, I think, of his teammates, where they are, the understanding in that back line, the amount of times they got Napoli offside from what I recall was a decent amount. It was six, looking at the numbers here. And mm -hmm. you know, Napoli are not usually a team to stray that to stray offside that often. They're usually quite good with the ball. So for them to be able to do that time and time and time again and get to the point where I think I counted Osuman complaining very loudly and vocally around 10 times that game, he was very frustrated, and rightfully so, because PK absolutely pocketed him. The thing with PK is, and I've said this, I've said this before with Iñaki Williams, who's one of the fastest La Liga strikers, PK, when he uses his physicality and has the right players around him and the right system, put him up against any striker. He's Nine out of ten times, he's going to do the job. He's going to get it done. Osaman is not a slow striker by any means. He's not a he's he's physically strong as well, and he's good on the ball. So for PK to be able to shut him down the way he did last night is amazing. And you know Araujo again. I'm kind of tired of talking about Araujo because I always praise him to the high heavens, and there's I really can't find any negatives that I want to highlight because he's still very young and he's still got so much room to grow. For me, I mean, again, the back line it was it was phenomenal. It was really, really good for for what Napoli set up. The fact that Insigne, yes, he signed with 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 Toronto, but he does. You could it, it seemed at least the feeling was he still wanted to do something with Napoli before he left. And you know, if if this was the performance that he put in in let's say a Champions League night, you could maybe excuse it if it was against a Bayern Munich who have been on top of the world for the last three four years. But Barcelona are very much still building. 
themselves as a team. Their 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 system, everything is pretty much a work in progress. You know, a lot of the new players came in as a as you know on loan deals, and so when you put that up against what Insigne, you know, should have done last night, Napoli fans will have a right to be disappointed. But I also think again, credit to Dest. Dest looked very confident to me last night. I also think I also had the same assessment for the Valencia game as well that. I think we're slowly seeing the bits of death that people have been longing to see since he signed from Aya. I think he's slowly being put in a system where because he has Adama or Dembele in front of him, it gets the best out of him because he won't have to push up too far. And that means that we won't see his defensive shortcomings as much while he still grows defensively because he has Danny Alves as his mentor. And the fact that Alves pretty much is a starter for Barcelona, I don't think that's a negative for Des. I know a lot of people would just say, oh, well, Des is on his way out. We'll get Masrawi instead, which a lot of people have said since Dest was even signed, which I think is ridiculous. But you you th- you look at it that way, and I think Dest is actually learning a, learning a lot from Dani Alves. I think Alves's impact on this team has again provided that sense of unity from the players rather than from Xavi into the players. So he's come in and built from within, which I think has been it's been a boost for Xavi. And and I think Dest showed that last night. Alba, what two goals in two games? I mean, he's back to – I remember the one game that I remember him scoring in very clearly was the one against AC Milan. He just loves scoring against Italian teams. I don't know what it is. Well, it's actually the stat is PK. PK has actually scored 17 in European competition, six of them coming against Italian sides. So it's actually PK oh, wow. is the one who likes to put the ball in the back of the net. But, yes, Alba <laughs> as well. But it's funny when you mentioned right. Dest. Like, I, I think Dest – People were saying, oh, he's coming in and overlapping fullback like Jordi Alba. That's the limit, except on the right side. Or he's going to need to be Danny Alves. He's going to learn how to, he needs to learn how to invert and be this another, basically another double pivot to push another right. interior forward. Or he needs to be Abidal and he needs to just defend. But Abidal also got forward. But I, even, yeah. even death ceiling, I wonder, I wonder if he's not Adriano, except on the right side. I wonder if he's mm. not just a solid defensive right back who isn't known for his defense, but is going to be known for structurally helping out the center backs and shutting down a system using his speed and using his defensive awareness. And then when he can get forward, he's just tasked to kind of shuttle the ball around and keep things moving and make the right choices and make good decisions, which he now has done in two straight matches. So I I think by settling down the expectations of Dest a little bit, it's actually getting a bit more out of him. Right, like, what do we expect from right, him? Right, we're we're getting more out of him, expecting less of him. If that makes any sense, it does. It does, and I think that's the thing too. I think people were very quick with Dest to jump the gun and say, "Oh, well, look, he's flawed." Like people just generally do with with signings that have a big price tag slapped onto them or have a lot of hype built up around it, right? So for Dest, I think it's one of those things where, like you said, if you lower your expectations because he still is a very raw product. He was a very raw product when he joined Barcelona. It's not, you know, he, he doesn't have that many caps for the national team just yet. He's still, a, he's still growing as a player. You know, this is pretty much the equivalent of getting someone up from Barca B and then complaining why they're not good enough. Obviously, you have the La Masia aspect. I'm not going to get into that. But my point is, he's still a very raw product. Like you said, his ceiling might not be that high. And that's okay. Because when that's, if, if that is the case, I'm sure Barcelona will find a way to get another right back in and then have Dest yeah. shuffling in as a back. I mean, wasn't he Maybe only 20 million euros too? Like we talk about price tags, but... He the, was pretty cheap, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah, young fullbacks go for 30, 40 million euros now. And I thought he was under... He was definitely under 25 million euros. 
Yeah. Right. So I, right. and it's, it's, I think, you just hear a lot of people just complain about. Of course, and I don't. I don't want to jump on the fact that Des has turned this corner, and it's right. It's same thing with Frankie mm-hmm. Young. Like, sure. that might be Frankie. Right. Just to warn people, that might be Frankie Young's best performance of the season. Like he might, he might, he might not replicate that throughout the remainder of the season. I mean, PK arguably might have just had the best performance of his season too. He that right. that might be the just to warn people that might be the top. But again, the momentum that they're building, that they're capable of these performances, they're capable of putting eight past Valencia and Napoli in two straight matches. So no matter what happens against Galatasaray or some of the other big teams, it's a it's a reaffirmation that top four is very possible because of the oh, yeah. the limit. How how much can they raise? As much as I much I'd love to see them raise the ceiling and go after the you know we'll say the big dogs and in Real Madrid and Sevilla. As long as they've raised their floor enough to just pick up points for the rest of this La Liga season. And not finish even top four, but finish top three and not worry about top four by May, where you can, you know, basically right. give Ricky Pouget tryout for other teams over the summer, Oscar Magatha for tryouts. I, I had to get that in. There's no knock on Pouge, just, you know, we talked about it before. He's six midfielder, and, you know, I, I get nothing right. out of his performance. Same thing with Magatha. I got nothing out of, and by that I mean there's no referendum on them. They didn't, they don't play enough. They don't have match fitness where I, I'm, I'm not, it's not a tryout for them. They played 15, 20 minutes, but. I, I want to move to the, right. the for the for the front line because you and I have haven't spoken yet about the obviously Aubameyang, Adama Traore, and Ferran Torres. They're all getting different reviews from people because of of what's happening so. here. And I, I think I'm going to let you go first. I, I think it's good to talk about them together because I said in the match review yesterday, speed kills. And Aubameyang and Adama Traore are two profiles that Barcelona have not had in a long time. And right. Xavi is certainly getting the best out of them. So you can talk about them as a unit, but I also want to talk about them individually. So I, I haven't actually heard what you think yet about Aubameyang and Adama Traore. <laughs> so take your pick. I, I want to right. go over both of them. To start off Adama, I think people's expectations of him were in the gutter. I mean, people were very quick to just say, oh, no end product and all that stuff. I think for me, you know, we spoke about this before. I think you also wrote it on Twitter with his uh, expected assists actually dropping since he joined Barcelona. Yeah, his expected assists, I was really harping on that before Barca, 0.17, that put him in the 51st percentile. And that number has dropped to the 45th, there we go, the 45th percentile because Barca are creating so many chances, even though he went with zero assists for Wolves this year and turned that into four assists in five games with Barca, his expected assists has still gone down, even though his actual total assist number. So... Numbers don't right. mean anything. There you go. That's that's a lesson. Exactly. <laughs> Numbers it. are not. The science. eye test. The eye test. He passes the eye test. No, for me, I think his one thing that I was I wasn't I was a bit worried. I will admit I was a bit worried as to how he was going to adapt to La Liga again because it's been a while. You know, the system that Barcelona were building was still very raw, and now it seems like he's found a place in that system. He's found a role. He's found a, a spot that well, you can look at that and you go, okay, well, that's Adama. That's that's what he is as a player. And I think for me, I've been impressed with the accuracy of his crosses. I mean, maybe the numbers will prove me wrong on that. But I think his crosses have been pretty accurate for the most part. He did get the the, the cross that gave Luke de Jong his, his, uh, the equalizer against Espanyol. He's been a very, I think for me, his passing is what's really impressed me the most. Because we all knew he could cross. We all knew he was fast. He was a good dribbler. But his passing has impressed me a lot. His, his ability to just, to be part of that quick passing, the little ronda they do sometimes throughout the games. His ability to do that with, without fail and not be a liability when it comes to back, passing it back and not being a player that's too direct or too one-dimensional, I think in that aspect, he's really, really impressed me. And I was talking to someone about it earlier, and I think it's because the better players you're around, the better you become as a player. For Adama, he was used to playing with Wolves 
with no disrespect to Wolves, but the players he had around him and the league they played in and the way Wolves played, I don't think that's how you get the best of Adama Traore. I think you get the best of Adama Traore with a, not a five-man back line, but this type of setup where he can attack a lot. He can combine with players. Players show him short options and long options. He can cross it. He can pass it. And he has the creativity to know what to do. And I think he's still very much developing. For me, last night I think was a very good performance. And I think it was the kind of the cherry on top of his start for Barcelona. I think he showed glimpses of what we could see in the first one or two games. Then against Valencia, I think he really picked up. And then now today, last night, I think he showed what he's made of. And I don't think that I don't think that's the the ceiling from him either. I don't think that's the best performance we'll see because I'm sure I'm very sure that he's capable of much much more. Well, I and think as for Bamiang, I'm going to let you roll, get the ball rolling with that one. Well, for uh, Dom Traore, I, I would add too that it's a matter of asking what the quote unquote Barca way is, right? Because he really does break our brains right. that he is a Salmasia thing, and because the internet dictates that we speak in little tiny 160 <laughs> character riddles to each other, <laughs> there's no there's no full nuanced <laughs> understanding of what Dom is role is and what is expected mm-hmm. of him other than that he doesn't do certain things well and he does other things well and i was thinking for both adama Traore and obama yang yesterday that so obama yang had two or three times where he dropped in deep had a terrible first touch gave it over to napoli barca won the back ball they won the ball back within 10 15 yards usually actually pedri who was set up almost prepared for a bad first touch he was ridiculous last and, night <laughs> and adama Traore still there were so many times that why his expected goals has gone down not up is that he's still missing crosses his still his still his final ball is like well really adama like you're only doing this one out of every however many times right six or seven chances right and even araujo yesterday not great playing out of the back either had one nasty touch that came the other way but with all those mistakes that those three players in particular are making i enjoyed last night so much because it didn't matter because barcelona are creating so many chances and actually Xavi's system is helping both Obama Yang and Adama Traore, who are two players that I think in our brains, on our Barca brains, we say, well, how does that make sense? How does that fit in what my idea of the quote-unquote Barca way is? But it does, because the quote-unquote Barca way we're doing is that high press or the desire to put the other team under pressure. Now, the difference here is that we expect Barca to both control and to constantly suffocate which is a very difficult thing to do when you have, again, players in their mid-30s. We've gone over this a million times that Barcelona were too slow defending on the counter and they were too slow on the counter themselves for a long time because of aging players. But now you've got some real athletes in there and speed does kill in the modern game. So Aubameyang and Adama Traore, their job, and even Jordi Alba still, their job is, hey, Barca's going to press high. The minute Barca turn them over, go directly at that goal. You go A to B. Do not stop for $200 like a game of Monopoly. Do not you know, take a, a break at Wawa or Sheets or wherever, you know, this, these are American references, right. but, you know, don't stop <laughs> at the gas station. Just go, go, go right to goal. And so, and it's a matter of you create more chances, you create more opportunities, but it is interesting that in the last four matches, Barca has only outshot their opponent twice of those four times, but their shots that they're getting on net are culminating in goals because of the pressure that they're consistently putting the other team on and uh, team under and the directness of that play as well between Adama Traore and Obama Yang creates chaos in that Barcelona is also scoring their goals in a myriad of different ways. I had said it right. on the earlier show. They scored two goals off of throw-ins. I cannot re- against Valencia. I cannot remember the last time when Barcelona just created some chaos off a throw-in and put the ball in the back of the net. I couldn't. It was difficult to remember the last time that happened. Right. That twice on, on against Valencia. Now against Napoli, 
They score one off a broken play off a corner kick. When was the last time? I mean, Barcelona is doing that now, but it was not something we ever expected to be happening. They also scored a banger from a midfielder who doesn't really score goals in open play like that. Almost all of De Young's goals always come within the six-yard box, not even the 18-yard box. And then the counterattacking goal, I can't remember the last time that Barcelona scored a counterattacking goal like that. I mean, we're talking... 2017 we're talking Neymar that's what we're talking we're, I mean that was really the last oh time. yeah the MSN days I'm thinking right. I'm thinking Neymar was really one of the last ones who scored that kind of counter attacking goal off a short corner from the opposite team where they thought they would get one over Barcelona usually concede on short corners like that they don't they don't take it the whole what is it 85 yards in 11 seconds the way they did and so just putting these January transfer windows being different players than what Barcelona fans are used to or actually addressing the needs that Xavi needed is doing wonders for the system that he wanted to put into place. And then Ferran Torres capping that off. I know you've got something to say about Aubameyang, but you can handle both he and Ferran Torres because for as much as I did the Ferran Torres thing last week and I did it again, I, I think I was certainly happy to see that the naysayers about Torres I think people were, because of the 4-2 win, I think people were a little more willing to be intellectually understanding of how important Ferran Torres' movement was yesterday and how he actually had a really good game regardless of... Mm-hmm. It wasn't even end product. I mean, they had a, such a hard time taking the ball off him. He was, His ball retention was good. His pressure was good. And his his ability to switch with Yang between that left wing and the middle of the field was giving Napoli, Koulibaly in particular... A, a ton of different issues. I mean, why do you think Farron, uh, why do you think Frankie Young was so wide open between the midfield and, and back line? That's because the movement of Farron Torres and Aubameyang just kept Napoli's back line pinned back completely honest while that midfield was worried about trying to get out of all that pressure that Barca were creating on that high press. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about both of them. Torres is an excellent player. I mean, they're, they're, he, he's a, he's a very, very, very good player. He's very skilled with the ball. His ball retention specifically really, really impressed me last night because you don't really see that very often with wingers slash number 10s to be able to hold the ball like that and just frustrate the opponent because sometimes he literally just did it to frustrate them. It was not to draw a foul. He didn't need them to get a yellow. He just did it to frustrate them to kind of get the ball going. And for me to to see a player do that and still get criticized is ridiculous because, yeah, he's not going to be – your double digits in goals a season type player because that's not the kind of player he is. But he is the player that will help you build play. He is the player that will make intelligent movement to the point where he'll frustrate one of the arguably best center backs in the world for a while in Koulibaly. At least he's gotten those shouts for years now at least. So Torres, I think, like you said, I think he had a really, really good game. And I I think if I had to say what I think went well, it would just be redundant. So I'm going to move on to Aubameyang. Aubameyang, I think, had a, I think he, had a, he, had a, he had a very good game. His finish was excellent, was exquisite. I think the fact that he is able to take those shots from distance, because we've, we've known this for years, that he's able to do that. The fact that you have strikers able to do that for Barcelona means that when he drops deep, you have Ferran Torres, who is very intelligent in space, being able to push up, or Pedri, who's, who was everywhere last night, being able to push up, or Adama, or even Usman Dembele, if he's on the pitch. And so it just gives so many more options for Barcelona going forward. And I think Aubameyang last night fully deserved that goal. He maybe wasn't too much on the ball, but when he was when he was on the ball, he was very effective with it. So it's it's all praise from here. I really I really don't know what more to say because I could yeah, go on I mean, all day. I wish the game had ended. I wish the game had ended with that fourth goal, which was the one right. that people characterize as a quote unquote 
Barca goal, which is pass, 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 possession, 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 build up through the middle, Busquets, Araujo, Pedri, De Young. And it was funny. I was, I was in my office here and my wife had come in taking a break from work. And one of the, it sounds silly, but one of the things we do is she likes to see where I'll, I point to where the ball is going next. And on right. that fourth goal, it just, I don't know. I don't do it all the time. It just, it was, I do it once ever, whenever. It's just a fun thing. So I pointed and I'm going, I went Busquets, Araujo, Pedri, De Young, and then I went back to Araujo, and instead, the ball went to Adama Traore, who then passed it through the young dummy run, and Aubameyang finishes the play. So the one time when I didn't point in the right direction was the time where, I mean, Barcelona are moving faster than my finger could move because... It was, I, yeah, was it? It was De Young who found, right? It was, I think it was De Young who found Adama. It was Adama, uh, yeah, yeah. So the last ball was Adama through the legs of De Young. Right, but prior to whether it was Pedro, I think it was De Young to Adama. Right. So then De Young just continued his run on, right? So De Young made the decision, made the right choice, and where I expected it to go in a certain way to keep possession, to keep recycling. And instead they broke the play open in one pass. And that proved to me that not, not that they needed to prove anything to me, but from pass to pass to pass, that was the one that unlocked everything. And then Adama Traore makes the right decision instantly. And then again, De Young to finish that run and Aubameyang to finish it. Things are right. really coming together. And yeah, you call that a Barca Absolutely. goal because I think when we, now we say, and I think under Xavi, the idea of, Guardiola had his Barca, and I think it's a better way to characterize this stuff, right? Instead of saying the Barca way, there was mm-hmm. Cruyff Barcelona, and there was Guardiola's Barcelona. There was Enrique's Barcelona, which also right. corresponds with Enrique Spain, ironically enough. And then you have yeah, pretty Val- much, yeah. Valverde's Barcelona, which I think people are still trying to figure that one out. And then Xavi's Barcelona is going to have its own ideas because it has its own players. and has its own individual players who we're trying to call out and say, this player does this well, this player does that well. But at the end of the day, a Barca goal under Xavi, and the way I'm going to characterize that is a team that puts the opponent under so much pressure that eventually, and I think Barca goals, quote unquote, can only really happen in the last 20 to 30 minutes of a game or 40, or in the, at least in the second half, when, a, when an opponent right. has been worn down by Barcelona's superior technical ability, their superior talent, and their superior ability on the ball, not to control the match, but to to take the life, to suck the life force out of an opposition with or without the ball. Because the minute they lose it, right. they're, they're going to get it right back from you. Um, and so that fourth goal is emblematic of the Barca way because it was a reward for all the hard work they've put up to that point for, for taking the life force right. out of the opposition the way that the Barca Femini does. And that's why Barca Femini goals all right. feel like Barca goals because that's what they are. <laughs> there is a hopelessness in the eye <laughs> of the opponent. And I mean, that's kind of what you know, I, I'm, I don't have a killer instinct myse- myself, but I love watching a team that of professional <laughs> athletes who have that killer instinct. And that's the difference. So, all right, all right. before we wrap this up, Omar, real Absolutely. quick, playing Gal- Galatasaray in the next round, I already covered a little bit with the Iñaki Pena loan move. 13th in the Turkish mm-hmm. League, not the Galatasaray that we remember under uh, whether they yeah. had Arda Turan and that and th- that kind of group. But they're struggling this season. Former Barca man, a, a former assistant of Pep Guardiola and former NYCFC coach, uh, Dominic Torrent, he's in charge. He was appointed a few weeks ago, so it, he's only been in the job for less than a month. But Galatasaray got through. So we'll have to see how Barca does against that. How would you then, and I, it's an easy answer because Xavi's rotating everybody, but how are you at this point now starting to prioritize the Europa League round of 16 to La Liga? I would say for Barcelona, it would be, I, th- I think the focus should be to just go all the way into the Europa League, get good points in La Liga, get as many points as you can, obviously, but rotate in La Liga and then keep the main hmm. 11 that's working for Europa League. 
And I know people might disagree with that. People might say, no, it's the other way around. We got to win La Liga or we got to get a top four or top three or top five in La Liga. But at the same time, if you win the Europa League, you are automatically qualified for the Champions League. Yeah. So the top four or five doesn't matter as much in my eyes, at least. But I know that might be a bit of a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's just a differing opinion. I like I, I it's not that I disagree with you, but I noticed, I think, not say I think Xavi agrees with me, but that first leg against Napoli, Busquets didn't start. And to me, that right. indicated where Xavi sees his priorities. He also, because right. he has Danny Alves available for the Europa League, for La Liga, not Europa League, if in theory he has a, you know, it's one player, but in theory he has more depth in that competition, sure. But yeah, I mean, I think in La Liga, it's possible to get, you know, third or fourth. That's very possible by putting together good performances. Right. And I actually oh, think the way that they're playing now, it's more likely they're going to put together, you know, uh, 60 or 70 percent good performances enough to get some points there and in Europa League as is always the case in Europe even if Barca because Xavi said that he doesn't think they are and that's totally fair but even if Barca is we'll say you know the the number one in the power rankings of the Europa League right now they look the best in that in that in the last round anything can happen in Europe it's right and oh, yeah. that's why we were so excited that Barca finally had a great Europa League night because it seems like they were the only one because anybody can do anything in Europe on any given night, but it always felt like Barca were going to fall short in the big Europa League away match. And so it felt like, how can you in a competition that's just complete nonsense? So I can't disparage Real Madrid's. I have to be able to, to disparage Real Madrid's Champions Leagues, you know, in some way. And that is the right, fact that Europe right, right, really right. is like, yeah, the, the better team generally wins, but it's also, you know, a lot of nonsense results happen. And that, no, I agree with that. that, that agree with we, then we take referendums on these entire projects and entire teams based on one match in Europe, as opposed to, I'm always of the mind that La Liga tells you exactly who you are over the course of an entire season. And I think where right. Barca no, were under Kuman is, is proven to be correct. And the improvements that, that Barca have made under Xavi, it's not a knock on Kuman. That It's that Kuman was the right man for the moment. You know, you, you and I game in and game out. We got it. It made sense at the time. But Xavi is certainly the man for the job now. And the points are backing that up. He's got the second most points of any team in the Liga since he took over. And Xavi's probably, I started this with Xavi and I ended with Xavi too. He, I was excited about him. I, I, this isn't like me complimenting myself. I'm just saying like, I was excited about him. It wasn't just because he was a Barcelona right. legend, but there were fears. I mean, there were fears, of course, that he was going to become the next Pirlo, the next Lampard, that he was going to become the next right, right. legend turned, uh-oh, he doesn't entirely know what he's doing. And he might right. be out of his depth. He might be out of his depth next season if Barca make the Champions League and they draw Bayern Munich again in the group. Uh, if that happens, I I'm just going to sit in my car for a while. I don't want to talk to anybody. But if, if that's the case, that'll be the next referendum, right? Is Xavi a good enough manager to take that step? Right. But he at least is proving so far that he's a good enough manager to improve results from what Kuman had, with a team that was still broken, but between a good transfer window in January, credit to Alamani and the whole board and everybody scouting, but because he was right. able to bring in some players to fit his system, and his system, system is starting to work for guys like Frankie de Young and Pedri and Gabi and those midfielders who need to be important to the team for the next five to ten years, I, I can't be, I don't think I can be much more positive about the start that Xavi has had at FC Barcelona. Yeah, it can be understated, honestly, because he has been so, so, in, he's been very, smart with his tactics he's been he, he really has been taking care of the team and it really shows it shows like all the way from the body language to the actual play going on on the field to how the team is moving around to it it shows it shows in the results it shows in the stats it passes the eye test i think xavi has exceeded many people's expectations and i 
I, I don't I don't want to say that this is you know I don't think he's he's peaked yet, um, in at least not in his Barcelona tenure, um, and I think he's definitely. I hope, I hope he's going to be the man you know for the job for next season. I think he will be for sure if he keeps going on like this, and especially, you know, you have to think about who's leaving in the summer. Some loan deals are going to be over. Who's going to be replaced? Are those loan deals going to turn into transfers? So on and so forth. So still a lot to be done when it comes to that, but. For now, I think he definitely is the right man for the job. He's definitely showing it. And this is a very small thing. This is a very minor detail. But he is very animated on the sidelines, and I think that's refreshing for some fans. Um, yeah, yep. So, I mean, he loves the club. He cares. You know, that's important. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, Omar, uh, where can people find you? At Omar Hawash BG on every platform, and uh, you can find my company on blogonogram.com or at blogonogram on uh, wherever you like to Read your news or check your social media feeds. All right. So, yeah, that is Omar Awash again of Lagrana Band fame. Follow him wherever you choose to follow him. And then we're on Twitter and Instagram at yeah. the Barcelona Pod at D13 for me. Patreon, Facebook, YouTube with those match reviews as well. You know where to find us, the five headlines. People seem to like them. So I'll keep doing them. And most importantly, though, thanks for listening to this, the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.